0: Hello and welcome to episode one part two of say what needs saying today we're continuing the conversation from last time So if you haven't yet checked out that first part of this episode, please do It's on Spotify or wherever else you find your podcasts We had some fantastic conversation and clearly it went long enough to justify splitting the episode up. So without further ado Let's continue the conversation
1: we have a more general question in the chat It says, should precedent from 100, you're right, that's exactly right, right? That's my question. Should should precedent from 100 years ago be used even if it goes against logic in current times? I, to me, it's no. And this a lot of people say this is more like my left leaning, but i don't I don't think that things a hundred years ago can apply now. I don't think the same clauses I think what was it President Obama, his last enacted bill changed the wording in our legal documentation from using Negroes to African Americans and like mm-hmm. that was still there up until two thousand something. No, you cannot use. The same framework from the same mentalities from people 100 years ago. I don't care what time frame you use. You know what I mean, three perfect humans lasting 100 years I was here around 1776. I would do not want a mindset from anybody in 1776 to gauge my life in 2020. I have to look up, look up and see planes and and spaceships fly. Then I mean, we have phones. You know, I mean? we have so many different things that they couldn't even fathom, but we still hold these truths to be self-evident. 300. years years in the future. I don't think that follows.
0: Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe this shows my right leaning a little bit. I think it depends on which historical precedent you're using. Because I think if you're asking that specific question, I would say no, we shouldn't use the precedent. I would argue though that a lot of historical precedents that some think go against logic in current times, others may think are timeless. I think the Second Amendment is timeless. I think the right to bear arms is timeless. I think the freedom of the press is timeless, right? The freedom of speech is timeless. So I think there are a lot of constitutional rights and and things of that nature that absolutely can be applied throughout history, even if society changes and if the current times change from how things work now. There are other elements, right, like using Negro in, in legal, legal documents instead of African-American that, I don't want to say carry less weight because that, that sounds like I'm downplaying it, but they carry less weight as far as people's individual liberties and freedoms. Right, is. but if
1: the, rule books, if, if the rule books are based for Negroes, like as a black man, I have more freedoms than a Negro in the same right. country. You see what I'm saying? Like, so the rules, they may be new legislation. Okay, how about this? The legislation for Clinton three two one rule mm-hmm. was made for African-Americans, whatever rule before that was for Negroes. Those were not the same liberties. But I do have a question for you specifically, because you mentioned the timeless still, so to speak, timeless rights. If you were to play a game called One of These Things is Not Like the Other, <laughs> do you think that the gun one is is doesn't hold as much weight as the other
0: ones you were referring to? I think it depends on what you mean by weight. I think that...
1: The freedom to speak, the freedom to the freedom to celebrate whatever religion you want, the freedom yeah. to you know elect an official, but then the freedom to bear a gun—I don't think that that belongs in that same table. Like they don't all share the same seat.
0: I agree, in a sense. I also think that that one is the one that, in the absolute worst case is the thing that is allowing you to protect those rights. So I think it comes down to more the protection from a tyrannical government than the right to bear arms just because. I think that element of it is timeless because I personally think government is always going to be corrupt on some level because humans are inherently selfish, right? Humans are... (laughs) we're getting some good comments that I want to get into after this point. But I think that when stuff hits the fan, do you still have the right to life in a tyrannical government? Do you still have the right to speech in a tyrannical government? Do you still have the right to the press or to elect officials in a tyrannical government? Mm -hmm. And I think in those cases, it makes it timeless. Right. And so do I think that everyone needs a gun right now because we're at risk of a tyrannical government right now? No, I don't think I agree. Person I, who commented. Right. And yeah, and I think everyone has the right to and probably who well, yeah, this is why guns are slow out. I mean, I I I bought a gun and it's no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a shotgun, right? And I bought it, I, I had plans to pre-corona, so this wasn't a panic buy. But I had always wanted a shotgun because we shot skeet down at some family's property and it was super fun and I wanted to do it again. But, you know, even I bought one. And wait, so, wait,
1: Zach, exactly, exactly. I'm not gonna allow you to do that. I'm not gonna allow you to say, because you bought it, when did you buy it? You bought the shotgun during pandemic, right?
0: Well, yeah, so technically, yeah. But so I was- you,
1: you didn't buy it because you enjoyed skeet so much you had to
0: buy it and it had an itch in your pocket. Well, it was already on the list, I should say. But yes, so I think that maybe that did play some role in it. I don't know. At least, you know, I can say that it didn't, but who knows. But yeah, I think that whether or not you think the current administration is capable of tyranny and authoritarianism Mm -hmm. and fascism, I think that governments across the world have shown, if not their openness to corruption, at least their incompetence. (laughs) And that's why I think it's more timeless. But anyway, I think we should get into some of the comments because we've had some good conversations starting. The first one we said was, even if it goes against logic in current times, I think that was in response to me saying that uh, the freedom to bear arms is is timeless. Isn't a bit dogmatic to say that certain things from the constitution are timeless. No, because I also believe in the constitutional amendment process, and I think that there is a process that allows us to adjust for cases where something goes against logic in current times. You saw that most strikingly with prohibition, and with slavery, where, well, with prohibition because it went back and forth, flip-flopped, and it illustrated that their amendment wasn't fitting to the current times, and then slavery to adjust to current times and the current way that we see Black people. Before then, they weren't afforded the rights that were outlined in the Constitution, and so banning slavery was done because it was illogical to say all men are created equal and afforded all of these rights, and then not to treat them equally and afford them those rights. It was inherently illogical. And so the amendment process exists so that we can adjust for current times and logic. I think that there's a reason why there hasn't been an amendment on the Second Amendment, an amendment put in place altering the Second Amendment. And then the other comments that we got that I'll just read off real quick before opening it up were, so should we just shit can the Constitution and start over? LOL. The other one in reference to me saying, I don't think everyone necessarily needs a gun to protect them in this current moment. Someone said, I do. And this is why guns are selling out yeah I think a lot of people are of that belief and you called me out Brandon I still even if I feel that way personally I did still buy one I do still own one and there must have been some element of protection there is some element of protection absolutely that motivated me to get it now as opposed to get it a month ago when well now a couple months ago or later yeah when I had decided to buy it and I decided to put it off put it off put it off and then all right well let me get it now (laughs) so so yeah I think that those are some good points does the constitution Is it be-all, end-all? Does it decide everything? No. I think that's why we have the amendment process.
1: Very good point, commenter.
0: Someone, someone said, Trump
1: threatening to bring the military into states to regulate. But he has, isn't, in regards to the Chaz in Seattle, he brought a Homeland Security to tighten everything up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I don't know what his legal justification is. And so I don't know whether or not that was used, like the whole justification of using it on federal property was used, or I, I don't know. But yeah, a lot of people are, are saying that this is government overreach and that. You know, and a lot of even conservatives believe in the idea of states' rights and the states' ability to handle their own problems. Now, the counter argument to that is if what's going on in the states inherently threaten the country as a whole on any level and the state is unable to handle it, then the federal government may be more justified in stepping in. But the argument is whether or not you think that's the case. Is what's happening in Portland going to threaten the rest of the country? Is mass protests in a couple large cities going to affect the country as a whole. Is that enough justification for the feds to step in and say, I'm not doing this for the state, I'm doing this for the country. And that's where you get into whether or not it's overreach. And I think a lot of this are cases where the federal government isn't necessarily needed. It's not going to affect the country as a whole, it's affecting the state. And even if that state goes to crap, then the country won't necessarily go down with it. So we actually saw that case in
1: regards to Detroit and then them filing for bankruptcy. But we did notice a couple comments it says, again, no one no one owning a gun in Oregon is using it on the federal troops. Very good point. And a wise... <laughs> it says, in the case that the state government would need to ask the federal government to intervene, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen within this COVID and all the different protests, I've actually seen it go both ways. I've seen a silent cry out to where Trump needed to facilitate his troops to, you know, accomplish whatever type of domestic I guess, insubordination needs to happen. Like even in regards to New York, Trump said to um, Governor Andrew Cuomo, he said, if you don't tighten up in New York, I'm going <laughs> to handle it myself. Yeah. I've never heard that before, especially not through a Twitter feed. Usually you hear that on a debriefing. I would say that a lot of these conventions, along with even how this administration came to be, is very much so off the cuff and doesn't follow convention. I think, and that's a problem because the Constitution doesn't necessarily allow for conventional leeway, but we're seeing that type of overreach, like
0: you mentioned earlier. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Zach, you got a comment yet? I did. All right. So the first one is quote: "Wait till your father gets home." With a laughing emoji, <laughs> talking about federal <laughs> overreach. All right, so then regarding Zach's comment on believing in the constitutional amendment process, constitutional amendments lag public opinion. They are slow and ineffective. Public being fed up and wanting to see change comes first. People suffer for a while, and then the government realizes it, in parentheses, after a lot of partisan battle, before enacting constitutional amendments. I wish there was a better and faster way to enact change than having people suffer for decades. That's true, and I think that that's built inherently into our government system gridlock everyone complains about gridlock but gridlock was built into our system so that government wasn't able to overreach excessively checks and balances were put in place so that it moved slowly so that they weren't able to take too much power and so that they could keep things from getting out of hand but it has downsides like this right when things are important when things need to be handled that are affecting a lot of people and affecting a lot of the public and are largely condemned, that gridlock still exists. Look, we had to fight a whole war over slavery, even though that absolutely, a lot of the public was fed up with it, wanted to see change come first. A lot of people were suffering. And then finally the government realized it. And after a lot of partisan battle, quite literally in that sense, constitutional amendments were enacted. They trade off with gridlock.
1: Right. But even in regards to you know how long the process can take, the process doesn't have to be long. After the 2001 9-11 attacks, within 2003, I think but it took Bush, like maybe four months to have troops mobilized in the Middle East. Like it, if, if it was necessary, if it was deemed necessary by all three branches, it'll get enacted rather quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at any major, I guess, amendments that we have to the Constitution or any type of additional uh, rights that were written into law, the civil rights movement of the 60s were only six days. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a week-long thing. It wasn't people. It was FDR had a lot of pressure, <laughs> a lot of pressure from the South. And they said, listen, either we, we do this or we're continuing to go into war with these people. And he said, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's release segregation. And then that's literally how it happened. We're very boiled down and very a castaway of important times and dates and figures. But that's roughly how it went. It doesn't necessarily have to take this long. And we see that with Trump. You can mobilize people without getting, you know, it's almost like he's executive ordering almost every decision he makes yeah
0: in addition to the gridlock that's built inherently into our system, I think the other element of our system that was a foundational aspect of it that prevents a lot of this from happening, or at least prevents it from being faster, is that our system was also developed in a way so that the minority opinion is not as easily suppressed. This is why people complain about the electoral college. They, they want a popular vote. They want issues just put to a vote to the public and, and let us decide that way. And I think the, largest, the, the reason that it's not that way for a lot of issues at least, and for a lot of things, is so that, you know, for example, a 51% majority can't suppress the views of a 49% minority. And that then, again, extends then to instances where it may be a much larger than 51% majority. But because of the way that the system is built around protecting the rights and thoughts of the minority, Mm -hmm. even in those cases where it's a more drastic split, it often leads to more gridlock, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad.
1: But I also think, I think you're thinking in the confines of, of the Constitution. I, and I'm, I, I, grantedly we're playing around with the idea when he says, you know, shit, pan the Constitution. But even if you were, we vote one voting day. Was it November 4th or November 6th? Mm-hmm. You go out, you vote, but outside of the Electoral College, you pretty much know who your president is going to be. You know what you mean? So in regards to opening up bills or opening up legislation for the public to, to answer, decide on their own. Some may not take it seriously, kind of like we do with the voting process. Some may take it very seriously like we see with the voting process. And we have to deal with whatever we choose. Granted, I don't think it has to be as fluid because every four years you can't have, you know, change to legislation but this country will turn different colors. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if necessary, if voted on. because You can, you know, Karambe made it to the voters ballot. Things like that is why we don't have open forums.
0: I think people underestimate the power of the voter, too, right? You made a good point in saying that people don't take it seriously. Every single politician making these decisions is subject to re-election, unless you're talking about Supreme Court. Everyone else on the local level, especially on the local level, they are subject to re-election, and if they are screwing up, if they're doing things that people aren't happy with, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about police brutality. I think we did it in the sidebar. I may be wrong. A lot of these cities that were pushing for new federal mandates on police brutality have had every opportunity to, on a local level, put in place these changes. And if the community didn't like that those changes weren't being put into place, they had the power and still have the power to pressure their elected officials into making change in those areas. And if they don't, we're going to vote you out. The reason that doesn't carry weight is because they don't actually get voted out they don't wind up being held accountable for their decisions, except in the rare cases. You're seeing it more now with police brutality issues, right? I've seen a lot more of my liberal and millennial and Gen Z friends actually going about the voting process now and calling people and- Encouraging people, Right, and so it's something that maybe is going to change, but since people don't take it seriously, that power is perceived to be diminished. When I think that power is very strong, it's just not used.
1: And I think, I don't know what situation we're going to see it being used. We've seen it tested. We've mm-hmm. seen with President Obama's uh, inauguration numbers in regards to him voting. We've seen numbers that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that with this current election. This election might have the most amount of people we've ever seen come out for an election because of how much we as Americans perceive is on the line. However, Zach, I have to ask you a question.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: In regards to selecting Supreme Court judges, this is a question from the chat, would you rather be voted by the public or the
0: president? Uh, so, in that specific choice, I think it's the lesser of two evils, which i don't know i don't I, I don't agree with a straight public vote for anything because especially for something like this, because in that case, you would have a whole Supreme court made up of one ideology or the other because one of those is going to be the majority, and presumably if everyone votes, which again isn't the case. But the possibility exists that if everyone were to go and vote, we would have an all conservative or an all liberal Supreme Court. And I think that's why the same goes for the presidential election. That's why I disagree with a popular vote for that. Because again, in the hypothetical that everyone votes, we are going to have one over the other. And that minority opinion will get suppressed, even if it's something like a 49% minority. So I do also agree with ranked choice. Oh, so here I should mention the comment I'm I'm talking about. It says I don't agree with straight public vote for everything. A conservative and libertarian. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that things like the electoral college and you know other institutions that are used in place of a popular vote are put in place to protect a minority opinion. But I do agree with ranked choice. I think that. Ranked choice should be, so for those of you that don't know, rank choice voting is the idea that on the ballot list, your first choice, your second choice, and your third choice, etc. If your first choice doesn't get the majority, those votes then go to your second vote. For instance, if there was a libertarian and a conservative and a liberal, you could rank libertarian one conservative two, liberal three, or, or maybe I would, <laughs> I don't know. And then so, you know, that would allow for a third party stepping into the arena, whereas right now they really don't. And so I think that when it comes to that comment about, I don't agree with a straight public vote for everything that could be seen as restricting someone's rights, I guess, on some level, I think that maybe that's what they're getting at. I think that the risk of and again, it goes back to your you have your rights until they infringe on other people's rights. And so I think you have the right to represent representation. But if your right to representation is excluding 49% of the country from having their right to representation, then a compromise has to be made. But yeah, I get it. I'm not always, you know, I lean left sometimes, I lean right sometimes. I'm just mostly on the right um, with a lot of issues. I'm not going to say that I'm completely above having certain views that may go against typical conservative or typical libertarian ideologies too.
1: And I feel as if this conversation will come more as the election pulls closer, strictly, I guess, looking at the fact that these labels don't allow for the complexity of what we're trying to solve here. There's, there's a little too much connotation and denotation being used for such complex topics and Mm -hmm. that you have to confine yourself that's why a lot of people have issue with the two-party system a lot of people are not even voting or will vote because they just they want to the whole reason why we have trump because people want to quote-unquote spice it up and (laughs) go against convention Yeah, Uh, people maybe the convention even we see because people had if you had a problem with bush and obama you're gonna have a problem with trump so if you had a problem with the convention for the majority of what you're looking at is your generation Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, what am I doing here? This whole convention is nonsense. It's been shitty before. We've seen Obama, which, you know, take your perspective on. You see Trump take your perspective on. You're like, something here doesn't work because there's still a majority of the significant amount of people who are being negatively affected here. right? Like, based off these two ideological powerhouses, such as, you know, Democrat Republican.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's why I agree with ranked choice. I think it allows for a third party to, to arise, right? I don't know where, you know, how you would legislate it, right, without legislating just, because you're already allowing third parties, they do still exist. They just don't win because no one thinks they have any chance. So there's no way to legislate their inclusion outside of something like ranked choice where people can avoid the fear of their vote going to waste by voting for a third party. Because if they're, you know, let's say it's Trump Biden and you want to vote for Bernie. Let's say that Bernie is the third party. He, he ditches the Democrats and he runs as a progressive third party or something. Mm-hmm. Let's say you really want to vote for Bernie because you believe in him, but you think based on his performance in the primary. Primaries, or based on his general following, you know, the demographic of his following and their typical turnout, you think that, well, if I vote for Bernie, that's one less vote that's going for Biden. And in effect, that's giving Trump one more point, or vice versa, right? If a libertarian goes on the ticket and you think, well, if I vote for him instead of for Trump, you know, that's in effect one more point for Biden, that gets taken off the table with ranked choice, that you can still, you know, vote for your top choice, the one that you think represents you best. And it not get, quote unquote, wasted, right? It'll go to your second choice if need be. But it'll also show the support levels for these parties. Because on the one hand, yes, it allows you to alleviate that fear, but it will also allow for public perception of their support. We don't know how many people are sitting there saying, well, if it was a third party, I would vote for them, but it's going to waste. This would then show that. This would show like, okay, the you know, so-and-so party got this many votes when we allowed for it
1: which we, I think we have to discuss one day because that was such a polarizing topic regardless of who you voted for. The idea is, is your vote wasted on the third party?
0: Uh, so we got a comment that's, well, so you got someone that agreed with you. So props for you. Uh-huh. And we also had a comment that says multi-party systems, such as the parliamentary system in Canada, work way better than the American duopoly. Uh, several parties compete for power and all of them have reasonable chance of forming government by forming alliances. Uh, we got a comment saying that that's the whole show in itself, wasted votes. Yes, I would. Yes. We must yeah. Know. But yeah, I think so. I'm too ignorant of of Canada's system and and many of the European systems to really take a stance on which one is, quote unquote, better. I think to play I just to play devil's advocate because I agree that multi-party systems are good I think that we should have a third party of sorts and that's why I agree with ranked choice I think there's a limit because I think once you've got too many quote-unquote parties then at that point the level of gridlock that comes into play and the person that winds up getting in power it heavily depends on who you how you decide who takes it do you then take it by plurality do they still need a majority in which case maybe no one ever gets a majority majority? Or can they get by with 13% of the vote because all the other candidates took eight? And is that okay? Right? Is it okay to have someone that took 13% of the vote leading? Because so I think it's a tricky subject that it gets into a lot of how that system would work. I think in a perfect world, yes, I agree that it would be better. I think it would have to be fleshed out a lot more than just saying we will allow for multiple parties. Because technically, again, technically, we have that, right? We just, we don't accommodate it.
1: Or at least entertain
0: it. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just open it up for a minute. I mean, we've, we've been going for a little while. We could always maybe even break this up if we need to, though. Uh, Zoom is giving us more than 40 minutes because we used a different account. So does anyone have any thoughts on anything we've talked about? Um, we've talked about quite a lot.
1: Or anything, any point that you felt like was missed or something that if you would like to tie in what we talked about and try to like summarize it or at least go, you know, the six degrees of separation of how we got to where
0: we're at Mm -hmm. now. Or if you came here specifically for religion. And you want to bring it back to that, and you have something specific you want to cover, feel free to bring that up too. Right. I'm wherever the discussion goes, I'm fine with it. But I don't want to take away from someone who specifically came here for something and didn't get it. So if anyone has any thoughts about anything, you know, constitutional rights, religion, your vote, maybe your vote not counting, we'll we'll pass on that one, right? Because we'll do a we'll do a show on that one because that one sounds I like that'll have.
1: I'm already ready for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll do that one separately. Does anyone have anything else they want to? They want to touch on?
1: I just want to say also thank you for everybody who is commenting or participating in the chat. It's greatly appreciated on our end exactly what we wanted to envision wise for this podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thank you all. This platform of open discussion, right? This is what, like Brandon said, this is what the goal is, especially because we're getting such heated topic that clearly have people disagreeing and that's good, right? That's something that we we need to do. Aw, we got to thank you guys. Thank you. Mm All right. So I guess in the meantime, we'll give people a couple minutes if they, if they want to say anything else. I'm just going to run through that last court case just so that you guys have the information in case you hadn't heard of it. Um, we don't have to discuss it, but since we said that we were going to bring that up, we'll just run through what the case was about. And then if no one has anything else or has anything specific they want to talk about with that, then we'll, we'll call it a night. Yeah. Um, So the last court case that we were going to bring up was the Little Sisters of the Poor Saints Peter and Paul Home versus Pennsylvania. And so in this case, it was related to birth control provided through the ACA. Basically, the Departments of Health and Human Services, Labor and the Treasury Departments, they worked to incorporate guidelines into the ACA that approved contraceptives as a form of, quote, preventative care and screenings for women, um, which the ACA was supposed to cover. What that came down to was a specific administration setting those quote unquote setting those rules the Health Resources and Services Administration. They were the ones that were tasked with determining what preventative care and screens includes, and then said that contraceptives were included. Mm-hmm. So this was challenged by religious entities. They basically said that this went against their freedom of religion, their beliefs, and they wanted an an exception, similar to the ministerial exception, but in this case for having to provide them with this form of health care. It basically came down to the court saying that the departments were the ones, or the HRSA rather, were the ones that set these rules. And so they were the ones that were able to set the exception. The exemptions that they set were specifically that employers could basically not adhere to these guidelines if they, quote, object based on sincerely held religious beliefs or sincerely held moral objections. So you can see how that can be a pretty widely perceived exemption. It doesn't even solely include religious organizations. But the idea was the HRSA set the rules so they can decide who is exempt from those rules. And so basically, these uh, religious entities were not forced to provide preventative contraceptives through, through health insurance through the ACA. So so that was the case. It was a little different from the other ones. It was less about hiring and firing, more about provision of healthcare. But yeah, does anyone have any thoughts? Uh, we got one comment, it says, quote, sincerely held religious beliefs, unquote, is so vague and subjective, absolutely. Yeah, it is. And I think it's, it's tough, right? Because it, it comes down to who, where, again, where do you draw that line? How do you define sincerely? And which religious beliefs do you honor? Even birth control, a lot of the dissent that came from this case, there was a lot of dissent to religious backing for going against birth control because it wasn't actually objectively said in the, in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to Google really quick what they said because it was interesting. I looked it up earlier, but I didn't remember it. So there were two instances in the Bible that people often cite about birth control. And this is how you get to the, these are my sincerely held religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. and and like anything i'll preface this by saying like anything in the bible it's not really meant to be taken with one line and it's pretty subjective just like everything else right wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. i want you to take exactly what you said and then apply that to your second amendment
0: what do you mean so i think that's well, the Bible is different because it's freedom of religion, know, like freedom but of But it's compare. still, it's
1: still in regards to it still relates to using history as a precedent. You see what I'm saying? Like we were going to bring the people use the references in the Bible to defend things in 2020, like birth control and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the issue in and of itself that we can go back on things outdated, so to speak, on things that require a dated response or
0: a dated. I agree and I disagree. I think that using the Bible to outline your religious beliefs is fine because that's right but a large not- basis of it. Right. I think it right. comes down to what your interpretation of the Bible is. Yeah,
1: but it's not and- at this point. The birth control is not a religious belief.
0: Right, and so that's what I was getting to, and why that's a little more controversial. Is right. so the parts of the Bible that that actually yeah. somewhat reference birth control. The first one is that God commanded his people to, quote, be fruitful and multiply. And so birth control is thought of as going against that, right? It's 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 preventing multiplication, which, again, is not... People are still fruitful and are still multiplying. And so you could make either argument, like anything. Um, the second one is that Onan, a uh, biblical figure, was killed by God for... <laughs> for, quote, spilling his seed. Basically, he, he used the pull-out method and was not, ah! yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that was seen as bad because it was, uh, I don't remember specifically. And if anyone's better, if anyone's more religiously versed than me and you know this, speak up. It's something along the lines of, I don't remember if it was his brother, his someone that they, the belief at the time was that if someone died, and I don't remember if it was his brother or, or something, you were to take on his wife and have a child. That was what God wanted you to do so that that line could then continue. And the belief was then was that that wasn't technically your child. That was his child to continue his family line. And so Onan's thought was, well, I don't want that to be the case. Case, right? This isn't going to be my kid anyway. And so he would pull out. And so it's too, two-sided, right? The, the arguments were either A, he went against God in the idea that he chose not to reproduce in that situation where it was demanded of him by God. And the other side was that he was using sex for strictly for pleasure and not to reproduce, you know, whatever. All Those were kind of the, the general ideas. But as opposed to that, there are plenty of other things that are much more objectively stated in the Bible, whether or not it's right to use it as justification, it's much easier to pin it to a particular practice going against your beliefs. There, there are certain things that are stated outright in the Bible that if a church were to say, so-and-so did this, therefore it goes against my religious beliefs, it's easier to make that connection than for you to say, so-and-so used birth control and it goes against my religious beliefs because it's not explicitly stated anywhere, right? It's your, your perception of the Bible. So anyway, that's just why it's a little tricky and why it's not its not explicitly stated. So is it explicitly going against their religious beliefs? Eh, it's up for perception, right? And that's where, like someone said earlier, religious religions institutes shouldn't be limited at all, you know, for better or worse. Early in the chat, someone said that. And so is this one of those instances, too? Um, We had a comment says we also have to realize that the Bible isn't the only scripture that could be used for this argument I could form a religion in 2020 and have sincere beliefs from it. That's true I don't know if there's any precedent for that. Um, I think Scientology would be the closest, right? If, if anyone were able to have a an institution, you know, either a church of Scientology or a institution where even if they were, you know, if they truly held those beliefs, I also don't know what the beliefs of Scientology really are. But you know, you could argue that a church based on precedence, a church of Scientology would be able to discriminate against a Christian or a Hindu for the job position of a A priest or whatever their equivalent is in in Scientology, and so that I think would be the case. We would have to see to see whether this precedent that you're talking about holds up, because I don't know whether I don't know whether there's any. I mean, there isn't much precedent on how widely held that religion needs to be. It doesn't. But there's a Rastafarianism was Rastafarianism. Yeah. No. 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 no, no. Oh my God! What is that?
1: Apostafarianism. Anybody wants to chime in? It's, it's it's a spaghetti deity um mm, help me out because it's actually respected it's actually in like you can choose uh we and we'll, we'll go into the uh, how that goes um Google. it has the origins of yahweh and, and and spaghetti and how it's like a spaghetti like monster uh the church of the flunk spaghetti monster right 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 so the set in the comments <laughs> It's a very, it's interesting because it has a a strong following. I think it was from like Mm -hmm. 2017, 2018, I started hearing from it. And the question, you know, you can do that. You can't, and the government will legally have to abide by it. And then you can change the whole premise. You can change, I guess you can shift entire cultures based off of one example on spaghetti
0: monster. So I think the, the reason that I'm okay with that is I think if, if it has, fewer adherents, right? Let's say you're you're the only person in the world that follows this religion, right? You invent some religion that let's take any any drastic example, right? If you are the only one that holds those beliefs, or there's you and five others, and you are now using that in your business to unfairly discriminate against people, there's presumably only five businesses in the world or in the country rather that do that. I think the odds of them being successful as a business are severely low. Yeah. Right. So I won't bake a cake for you because it's a gay wedding. Right. I think that that's Um, you are I think the power of the free market allows for something like that to be morally wrong, but legally okay because it's not the only option. I think the exception would be if everyone of a particular business type held to those same beliefs. Right. If every baker was hardcore Christian and would not bake for a gay couple. That's true. Then like, that's an instance where it's, that someone has to step in. Right. But that's not the case. Even with a big religion like Christianity, that's absolutely not the case. And it doesn't, you know, they're right to, I don't know.
1: To get their cake, but like there's, there's yeah. bars um, that are 28 and up. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not every single bar and alcohol is legal at 21.
0: Right. That's a good example. Right. Because it's, it's, that's ageism anywhere else, right? And there's, you are not allowed to discriminate based on age. You can sue someone, right? If you think that you were fired for, that was one of the cases that ministerial exemption exception got these churches away with, because one of the teachers was accusing them of firing her to replace her with a younger applicant. And so you're not allowed to do that, right? You'll get sued. But if you do it in that instance, right, as a bar, that's something that on a state level, or even maybe is it on a locality level that they're allowed to do that? Or is it just because it's that bar, right? You have, as a business owner, you're allowed to, to turn away service based on pretty much anything. It's, um, it's an interesting case, right? And it's something that it allows, again, with any extension of freedom, you acquire higher levels of risk, right? To allow people to genuinely practice their, their sincerely held religious beliefs that truly means something to them and that we want to protect, you inherently have to allow others to use those rights for things that you don't agree with. And that comes up with every right, right? Religion, it's a tricky one because a lot of people feel very very strongly about religion, but it was like I was saying earlier with the Nazi flag, the speech, right? If you want the freedom of speech, on some level you have to allow others to use speech in ways that you disagree with because they have that right too. That was good, I was glad we talked about that last case and started um, some conversation.
1: We got a quick comment, we're actually gonna probably make this the last comment before we log off for the yeah. night. It says, the free market argument may not work in the middle of Alabama whose employer denies contraceptives and they don't have access to it because of state policies restricting access. All right? There's no free market, only one option. I don't think there there is only one, there's only one feasible or there's more, there's one option that fits, you know, the standard deviation of options. There's one that fits the middle 64. Those other options are less attainable, maybe Mm -hmm. for different populations. Uh, They may not be as educated on it. And that's a whole different uh, scenario. And you're right. In my head, I think the idea of a free market is cute. Like, you know, we say we participate in a free market. I don't think it's as free as we would say it is, but I definitely think it's kind of like one of those gilded terms. It's the, the idea is cute, but it's not as uh, it's not put into practice as it should be. And we see that one example with the e is Yeah,
0: that's fair. I guess my, and I don't want to say that I agree or disagree, because as far as birth control, right, I think the only time this would come up would be in employment, employer-provided health care. I, and I don't know, and that I may be absolutely wrong on this, but I would assume you could go into a CVS in Alabama and buy condoms, right? Or is it outlawed completely? Um, am I just ignorant of that?
1: Well, you go to get a substance from your employer and then CVS are two different things.
0: Right. And so I think that's where the difference is between um, oh, okay. a right and a privilege, right? You have a privilege to buy it. acquire birth control in some way you don't have a right to it necessarily and some people would argue that differently right some people think healthcare care is a right and that birth control is health care um, so that's a very different right and so that's not the only reason people take birth control you know especially uh, women you know they take it for a lot of other issues that obviously I can't empathize with as well and that's true. And I think in those instances, I think that's a flaw in the I the classification of the drug. In every other area of the medical system, we've got cross, cross uh, what's the word? Brandon, you may know what I'm talking about, but you're allowed to use different drugs for different things. Oh. Um, cross-listing of drugs, maybe? Okay. I don't know. But you're allowed to use, right, and an anti-anxiety pill could be prescribed for erectile dysfunction, right? And that's covered in that instance, right? And so I think that's a flaw of the classification of birth control in that instance. And so I would agree that that's an exception to this rule. But I think the solution to that is changing what birth control can be prescribed for so that you can go in with premenstrual dys- dysphoric disorder and get a prescription for birth control as opposed to only getting it, you know, quote unquote, as birth control. Um, If I were to go to my doctor with ED, I could get a prescription for an anti-anxiety med even if I'm not going in for anxiety uh, or vice versa. And so I think that classification should change and that would allow for these issues to disappear. And I think that would also provide an avenue for the employee to say, look, I'm not going against your religious beliefs. I'm not using this as birth control. This is a medication to treat X disorder or issue I have outside of wanting to get pregnant. Um, and so then the religious argument kind of falls through at that point, because that doesn't go against your religious beliefs, the use of birth control does, right? And so, and, and sure, people could still use it to, to say that. But again, that only covers the religious institutions. So I agree, I agree that the classification needs to change. And I think it should be approved for more reasons than, than it is. Um, and then admittedly, I don't know what they are approved for, but clearly not for, for something like this. I agree, but I have never heard of an employer actually caring about that argument. <laughs> yeah, I've never had to, had to talk to my employers about this. So I, I'm completely ignorant of this. So you know, I appreciate the perspective. All right. So Brandon, do you have any other thoughts on this last topic we just brought up, birth control? Um, or does the last commenter have any one last thought that you want to bring up before we call it a night? Brandon, I'll just turn it to you.
1: I'll say as a whole, I don't, I have a different type of perspective when it comes to women's rights and in regards to how the government takes into that into account Mm -hmm. for the the workplace. And uh, I guess I would front that episode up. I feel like that's a humongous uh, elephant that's in the room Mm -hmm. that is never spoken upon, or at least isn't even introduced. Uh, So we'll get into that another time. And if the commenter uh, has anything else.
0: So we talked about a lot tonight. Um, We talked about religion and how it's impacted by Supreme Court decisions. We talked about uh, constitutional rights, talked about government overreach, uh, the necessity of different constitutional rights and kind of is there or is there not a hierarchy of rights. And the other things that we talked about, you know, that may be the topics for future episodes, right, are does my vote count? Uh, should we have multiple parties so that my vote does count? Is there a better way of approaching it than we currently do? And then just recently, women's rights or women's health and government involvement there. Uh, I think we talked about it a lot with the birth control, um, but just barely, you know, skating over the surface. But I think people have some strongly held beliefs about this kind of th- these kind of things, right? Whether it's birth control, whether it's abortion, and you're right, it's a huge elephant in the room and a huge thing that people feel as though they're not allowed to talk about or just don't talk about. There's a lot of animosity that's inherent in these issues. When one group thinks that their rights are being infringed upon and the other group doesn't think that, then that's a huge conflict right there. And so I think we should definitely touch on these things in the future.
1: This one right right?
0: Yeah, yeah, we, this one went long. So... I will say this is our last Zoom account. <laughs> so after this point, we're going to be stuck with 40 minute conversations. Uh, I really appreciate all of you contributing, all of you commenting. We had some amazing conversation tonight, yes. but from here on out, we're only going to be able to do this 40 minutes at a time, which is fine. We can still talk about a lot of things in 40 minutes. but. If you want to see these conversations keep going for longer than they are right now, Mm -hmm. if you want to see us having more of these long conversations and be able to have tangential conversations and touch on things that maybe we weren't planning to, then please consider going to our Patreon account and supporting us. Uh, we recently uploaded some content to there. So if you patronize us on there, you'll get access to longer conversations that we have individually as well. And you'll also be able to get some other perks depending on, on the level of support. If you haven't already, please like us on Facebook, like us on other socials, uh, follow us on Twitter, and please tell your friends about us. Tonight yeah. was great. We had, what well, we have now five uh, we've got five people in here outside of me and Brandon. It's great. We had some fantastic conversation about some very touchy subjects, mm-hmm. and I think that we had some disagreement, but no, no hate. I'll say we had disagreement, but no and hate. Even
1: even if there was hate, this is the platform that we're, we're trying to allow this platform to be able to house that level of scrutiny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that
1: day will come, and the
0: next mm-hmm, for sure will
1: come after that. So right. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, with everything being said, Zach, thank you. Thank everybody for coming. Bring a friend. Bring somebody that you think is open-minded that can would enjoy this. The 40 minutes will be a new take, a new test for everybody. So even if we move too fast, or move too slow, we can you know, engage with the communication. So.
0: So with that, we'll call it a night. Perfect.